Today on CityCast Denver. Exactly one month ago, late at night on July 17th, police shot into a crowded street in Lodo, injuring a suspected gunman and six bystanders. In response, city officials looked at the late night crowds that flood Lodo every weekend at 2 a.m., the fights, the public drunkenness, and they banned food trucks. So today, we're digging into the Lodo problem, or the let out problem, or the police problem, and asking, how do we fix this? Plus, there's a new Elvis biopic in theaters, and my guest has got a classic Denver tale about the king himself. Stick around to hear the real story of the Fool's Gold Sandwich. Today is Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver. I'm here with one of our favorite contributors, editor and founder of Westward, Patty Calhoun. Welcome back. Thanks. So, Patty, we're going to talk about what's going on in Lodo, but I'd love to do a quick timeline of the most recent events. Um, What's going on with this latest debate about what to do with Lodo? The most recent debate started after the July 17th incident where at let out, which is right when the bars are letting out a little before 2 a.m. and everybody crowds out of the streets at once. So during let out, there was an altercation. Cops were going by. They saw these guys kind of fighting, looked like one had a gun. And so three different cops wound up firing at him to subdue him. He never pulled the gun, but it looked like he had one. He didn't, I should say, he didn't brandish it. They did hit him, although not fatally, and really it took three of them to hit him. Seven shots and six innocent bystanders were hit in the process. So you wonder, wasn't there a more appropriate way to deal with this situation? And in fact, according to the lawyer who's representing the suspect who was shot and has been charged, None of the things were by the book. The cops did not follow their own protocol. And you would assume their protocol calls for not firing into a crowd in a way you'll hit six people. Yeah, maybe there was no warning, folks. You know, I know how chaotic that scene can be at let out. You don't know what's going on. Right. But it's one thing if a guy is pointing a gun at you. It's another if someone thinks he's got a gun. So you've got to assume there was a better way to handle it. And certainly you would hope for better marksmanship, even if there weren't a better way to handle it. Better marksmanship. Than shooting six other innocent people. Six other people. So since then, the calls to do something about let out have been renewed. Now, over the past year, of course, since there were problems at Beta and just a block, a couple blocks away, 1900 block of Blake, there have been more patrols downtown. Beta has been closed. A couple other problem places have been closed. So the Denver police have been paying more attention. But in this case, it doesn't seem like that extra attention paid off. So now we have the city taking steps. The very first step while they're investigating the shooting is to get rid of the food trucks because it's a bad idea to have people sober up before they go home. Yeah, I was going to say, as a former patron of Lodo, while the food trucks weren't as prevalent when I was hanging out down there in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, we usually would head off to a diner. Those are all pretty much closed. So not giving folks options to do that, like you're saying, sober up, or at least, I don't know, get 
get some food in your system, calm down, meet up with all your friends. Be in a line for a reason as opposed to milling around in a parking lot. We have done stories on problems that let out for three decades. And the problems have been similar, except the food trucks are a little newer because right. they weren't as prevalent before, as you said. But bars let out between 1.30 and 2. People are congregating. They're talking to their friends. They're shooting the breeze. They're shooting some other things. And 18th and market was a real hot spot 20 years ago. Depends really on where the hot clubs are, but it's all within about an eight block That's what radius. I wanted to set up for folks is like why Lodo is becomes this concentration of folks when the bars close. Because there are obviously other bars all over the city and there's other areas where there are collections of bars, but Lodo's really a concentration of bars. And it's not just the bars. There are music venues and dance clubs too. So you've got a bigger group of people. You have smaller ones, say 10th and Broadway, where you've got some clubs. And that is a hot spot too. You'll remember 20 years ago, there was the Jeff Truax shooting by Denver cops there. And Denver police weren't allowed to moonlight at those clubs because they were so troubled. And that came up again at Beta last year, that Denver police weren't allowed to moonlight there because it was so, such a troubled spot. So we have other trouble spots around town. And it usually is not just a lot of bars, but a lot of bars that also have huge crowds inside like beta so it's those bigger capacity spaces bigger which is capacity spaces and places to gather so in lodo and by lodo we're now 15th and market used to be a real hot spot because of bars not so much anymore because neighbors have gotten involved but five years ago everyone was concerned about 15th and market right right well and you're also talking about something i was thinking about was again when i was going out you know gosh 20 years ago it was closer into around the Larimer Square area. And there were bars. I mean, there still are bars on Larimer Square, but that it, there were bigger, there was Club Purple, there were clubs. So it's like kind of moved around, but it's still in this lower downtown area. Which has really always been the entertainment district. So when Lodo was created in 1988, even before Coors Field came, it became the new hotspot. Before that, it had been Glendale. I mean, oh, that's right. And I'm sure there were plenty of episodes in Glendale. But then, so 10th and Broadway became a hotspot and remains that way for club goers. Sobo has become, you know, first and Broadway has become a hotspot, although we hear less about trouble down there. Well, and I think you're right in that there's like HQ and the high dive in some spaces, but those are not holding anywhere near the amount of folks. The sheer mass. Than like a beta building And there are not really many parking lots to congregate in, or there are other places to go. You can go to, there still are some late night pizza places you can go stand in line. Yeah. So there's more action on that street to move away. But in Lodo, the party just continues. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Something else I thought about was when I was younger, um, hip-hop was often blamed as the problem. Hip-hop clubs, clubs that played hip-hop. Um, 
I'm thinking about like the F-stop. Uh, my friends worked at a club called Beyond. Wazoo's. Yeah. Like, and then I remember like when Beyond had a situation, uh, not in it, but it was in the, it was in the Denver pavilions um, and they got shut down and that I don't remember who said they couldn't reopen as a hip hop club. So they reopened as a country bar. But that always felt like an excuse. And this kind of feels similar because Lodo now is all kinds of bars. I mean, we're, there's country bars. So it's not necessarily the, quote, demographic or crowd that was being targeted by those kinds of things. It's just the crowds in general. Or Cold Crush. That was another example. Oh, yeah, exactly. Up at 27th and Larimer. Interestingly, food trucks had never been mentioned as a culprit or yeah. shutting them down. One of the things that has been floated for decades is staggering let out so that you don't have every bar close at 2 a.m. You have you could have some bars close at 3. You could have some bars close at 4. And in fact, last legislative session, a representative suggested letting bars opt into changing out their closing time so they would be able to figure it out themselves when they wanted to close. And that would at least stagger the crowds coming out. Wouldn't that just sort of flood the next bar? You know, if someone closes at one, everybody leaves that bar and goes to the next bar and then those folks are overwhelmed and then it, it just like continues the problem. But you think that that staggering would at least allow folks to it, it just be less volume at one time. Right. And other cities have certainly done it. Other cities have later closing times and some have staggered closing times. And at a certain point, some people just really want to go home. So right. they might go to a bar that closes at one. They might go to a bar that closes at two and they just want to go home. Now, if bars close at two and they want to keep partying, they drive to Glendale because Glendale still has bars open till four. And that's it's a funny picture because that was before my time. I was a teenager. I wasn't old enough to go, but I've heard stories of the three two bars in Glendale. And there's all these sort of remnants of the old clubs left over. They're now like dispensaries or gyms or all these things or or restaurants. But a lot of those were huge, massive eighteen and up clubs, right? Or or over. And I have to say, when we started Westward, we went to a lot of those Glendale clubs. Don't recall a lot of big problems with them, but let's face it, guns were not as prevalent then. So again, the food trucks have been banned from the Lodo area on the weekends. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturday nights, and only from certain blocks, like below 19th, they're fine. So if you're hungry, you could go a little further south. But we interviewed one woman who has started a petition to say, you guys didn't talk to us, let us back. And she parked in front of Herb's hideout at 2057 Larimer. Popular spot, yeah. tiny little club, great live music club. And she did a huge business there. Without notice, she suddenly had to move. She's moved a couple blocks up Larimer. She says, I just don't do the business because there aren't as many clubs in the 2200 block. Yeah, I, I see on the surface the idea of getting rid of food trucks, but it feels so unfair to punish these small businesses, especially folks who have been through a pandemic because of, honestly, misconduct by the police. And in fact, food trucks were so in demand during the pandemic because that's how bars could stay open. They had to have food oh, somehow, right. remember? So these food trucks have been working so hard to stay in business. And now the police blame them. It's not like the passersby were hit by tacos and burritos. They <laughs> right. were hit by cop By bullets. cops. Now, guns. we will soon hear, like, will the body cam video be released? It certainly has to be released sooner or later. That's under the rules. And 
I hear it's really not good for the Denver Police Department. So that could explain why it's coming out slowly. But that'll show us a lot more. But in the meantime, the scapegoating of the food trucks just seemed wrong. We need to think of some better plans. Staggering let out is definitely one option to look at. Well, we'll wait and see, I guess. And we'll be seeing on those videotapes. So what we see could really influence this conversation. After I spoke with Patty yesterday morning, we got a couple of updates about the July 17th shooting. First, Denver District Attorney Beth McCann announced yesterday that she will ask a grand jury to investigate the incident. Second, law enforcement did release that body cam footage we talked about. You can see officers circle around the back of a crowded Greek food truck and approach two men who the police say were in a fight earlier in the evening. One of those men appears to pull a firearm out of his sweatshirt pocket, and that's when the cops open fire. I'm going to add a link in the show notes if you want to watch the footage for yourself. I'm sure we'll be talking more about this as DA McCann's investigation develops. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Elvis Presley died 45 years ago this week. But somehow, he's having a moment with a big new Hollywood movie yet again redefining his famous story. But this ain't no nostalgia show. We're gonna do something different. Aside from Graceland and The Colonel, though, there's an iconic Elvis tale that touches Denver. I've heard different versions of the story of his colossal peanut butter and bacon sandwich for years. So I asked Patty to set things straight. So Elvis Presley loved cops, loved <laughs> cops everywhere, loved Denver cops. He gave Lincolns and Cadillacs to Denver cops. So at one point he was here for a concert. He was hungry. I think it was 75. And he was talking to some of his cop friends who would be his security details. And they said, oh, we'll take we'll take you to dinner. And he goes, oh, no, they'll recognize me. And they go, no, we'll disguise you. He's in a cop outfit, Elvis. They go to the back of the Colorado Mine Company, one of those notorious Glendale locations. They take him in through the kitchen. Elvis manages to have dinner. A few people recognize him, but he is a great time. And during this dinner, he eats this legendary item on the menu, which was put there by a joke, the peanut butter sandwich. And it was a huge price. And Buck and Cindy Scott, the host and hostess who owned the place, had put it on just kind of as a joke. But Elvis loved it. And in fact, Elvis later flew in on his private airplane to get some peanut butter sandwiches for his daughter's birthday. But they weren't just regular peanut butter sandwiches, oh, right? They, had, they were like a whole loaf of bread hollowed out with peanut butter and grape jelly and bacon, I think. And bananas might have been in there too somewhere. Um, and I think they were called the fool's gold at the Colorado Mine Company. So Elvis dies, as we know, 45 years ago this week. Buck and Cindy Scott eventually closed the Colorado Mine Company and moved to Michigan. But one guy, Nick, who'd been working in the kitchen and was there the day he was 16 years old. There the day Elvis comes through, he winds up opening a diner in um, Lakewood, Nick's Diner. And he puts the Fool's Gold Sandwich on the menu. The, this the famed peanut butter this famed jelly, peanut butter, bacon sandwich. And he turns sandwich. the diner into a real Elvis homage. And people have Elvis meetings there, and it's really fun. And he tells everyone about 
the Elvis story. And the Elvis story grows into Nick creating the sandwich and maybe Nick delivering it. And the story has been written many, many times, Nick's version. And then I hear from Buck and Cindy Scott a year ago, and they're like, that story isn't true, that version. So I can tell you this is what's true. Elvis definitely went to the Colorado Mine Company <laughs> in a Denver police uniform. He definitely ate the peanut butter sandwich. Nick, and I'm sorry, I don't remember his last name, was in the kitchen that day. Nick definitely offered a version of the peanut butter sandwich on his menu at the diner that just closed this past March. And Elvis loved Denver. So all those things are true. But did Elvis take Nick off on a snowmobile adventure? Probably not. <laughs> there's there's a lot of different rumors. Lots about this, of but different that is rumors. And if you confirm. go online, you'll see a lot of them. And our most recent piece just said there are many different versions of this story. <laughs> so at the anniversary of Elvis's death, have a peanut butter jelly and bacon, bacon hollowed out hoagie. gold sandwich. There are recipes online too. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Patty. My pleasure. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the Elvis fan in your life about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Later. Well, I'll put on my tube dress and my flip flops and no jacket. It's December. Time to party. <laughs>